I would say that that under the current TRA chairman Arish Sharma, we have never like I haven't seen the TRA that is as dynamic and as consumer focused uh, before ever. He's going. No, and and I know, and I'm and you know I I I wish that when he's leaving, he sets a vision for the future of the TRA because really he has been. Uh, we have our disagreements on Aadhaar, but when it comes to internet policy, he has been great for this country. Um, and I would wish that whoever takes over from him comes with his vision in mind. So welcome to Outliers. This is the podcast with Outliers, and. Uh, who better than Nikhil Pawar to sit down with for an outlier podcast? Welcome, Nikhil. Thanks for having me on, Pankaj. Looking forward to this. Good. It's taken few months. <laughs> it's taken a long time, in fact. So um, I've been wanting to have a chat with you. Anyway, I don't think we've met for a couple, for a year or so now. Uh, so it's uh, I'm more curious about what you want to know than uh, I am. I'm sure you are about what I have to say. <laughs> This is clearly not uh, about me this time, Nikhil. But there are two journalists talking, <laughs> right? So that, that, that conversation is always going to be dangerous. Different. Yeah. So for those of you, uh, I'll be surprised if you uh, don't know of Nikhil. Uh, I think uh, Nikhil is an outlier for many reasons. I mean, I have had disagreements with Nikhil in the past. And we have had very healthy disagreements. But I believe Nikhil is an outlier because of the battles he fights. Thanks. And uh, long battles, you know. It's one thing to pick uh, an issue in this internet age and, you know, uh, move on. Uh, but uh, I think why I have always admired you is because of the long battles you fight. You don't Thanks. give up. It's difficult uh, to, to make you give it, give it up. So, so for that, I think you are clearly an outlier. Thank you. I also believe you are an outlier because uh, in India, where we are seeing a very early, uh, you know, growing internet population, uh, there are very few voices, uh, you know, who have sustainably trying to create awareness about issues that matter in the internet uh, age. So clearly, uh, you are an outlier for that reason. Uh, Let's uh, start from the start, Nikhil. Yeah. Uh, let's try and give uh, sense uh, to people, uh, the listeners of this podcast, about you. Uh, where do you come from, and why are you whatever you are today? Let's go back to the roots. So uh, I think it starts with this need for freedom, in a sense, and I think that's some sort of a theme that's been there in everything that I've done. Uh, I've uh, always been given the freedom to choose what I want to do and a trusting and loving family that's allowed me to do what I want to do. So uh, I'm one of those guys who dropped out of engineering, but I haven't made my multi-millions and billions uh, following that. But uh, I was allowed to take a decision uh, which is purely mine to get into engineering. I dropped out of it because I sucked at it really, really badly. Um, in fact, uh, Miranama turned 10 uh, last month on, on, on the 27th of June and, and Matayaji sent me a message saying that according to him, my biggest achievement has been 
recovering from and growing after the engineering setback i was terrible at it i loved electronics and computers but uh, clearly i wasn't made out for academics um and following that uh, uh, you know i joined a non descript college uh, because i was it was really late for me to join college again so most institutes wouldn't take me uh, couldn't find a job for a very long time uh, got my first job because uh, rafat ali who's been on this podcast um, took a chance on me um, and uh, gave me complete freedom to do whatever i want uh, so i was made editor of uh, content sutra which i joined in 6 months after joining my first job right and uh, he said do whatever you want you're doing fine and uh, then i needed a little more freedom i wanted to uh, do something that uh, allows me to go deeper and broader um, in the internet space and uh, that's how media nama started and uh, from there on it's always been about uh, how do i avoid being put into one bucket only and do more and more things um, and add more skill sets more uh, areas of knowledge so therefore when we cover digital we want to cover everything digital uh, we don't want to just limit ourselves to one domain or one uh one one so we like startups are a small part of what we cover uh, for us the broader ecosystem that defines the shape of this country is more important so that that constant you know freedom that need for freedom is again what led me to activism uh it also just as it led me to entrepreneurship <laughs> and i don't know where it will lead me lead me next but uh, i think freedom is very central to everything that i do so how do you pick uh, the battles you fight or you know other way of asking this question hmm. as some would say is why are you an angry young man <laughs> <laughs> but help, so, me so, under, help us understand yeah. the battles you fight and why so let, let me first go back to media nama and, and that because i i realize now that the core uh, mission that we began with uh, is actually my mission uh, personally which is to help build an internet ecosystem which is open fair and competitive so it it essentially means that we're not anti business uh, we want competition but we are opposed to uh, monopolistic practices and people taking control of that ecosystem which is again where freedom becomes central we want it to be fair I, and you know from an economic point of view i my belief is that capitalism uh drives the world and but it will become sustainable only when there is a when it supports a welfare component and gives back to society because otherwise then it's just leaching rather than growing right um so and and uh openness enables participation of all sorts of players and why that came about is because it was this openness of the internet that allowed me to participate it in in, in it right and that's Uh, i want that for everyone because i am what i am today i built what i have built today media namas turn 10 today is because of the fact that this openness and this freedom exists uh, and i want that for everyone if 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 factedly does better than media nama and we are fighting in a manner which is fair uh, if you're competing in a manner not fighting in a manner which is fair uh, i'll be happy for you and i will try and do better than you you make me better so that's why competition is also essential 
because that's how people get served so i think of all of these things from a slightly more philosophical perspective and it is that philosophy which drives uh, my actions uh, even in case of activism because uh, i believe that and i now have come to understand that it is that that tech policy is is what shapes this ecosystem as much as business does and therefore we need transparency accountability fairness and openness uh, in how our government is doing things so a lot of my fights if you look at it whether it was uh, initially against section 79a which is how i got into the activism uh, where i had to take a decision so i've had decisions to take over a period of time so one decision was am i going to be a journalist or an entrepreneur and then i decided because i don't like being put into one bucket i have i can be both and circumstances where media nama because it's bootstrap never raise any funding it was running out of money i had to go and do sales yeah. and so i learned to balance those conflicts in my own head and for me i realized that this is about my satisfaction and my um my being true to my own ethics and if i can justify uh, this to myself if i can make sure that the chinese wall remains in my head uh, i'm fine because i have a too strong a conscience if i do something which is wrong it it sort of i never forget it it hits me and it keeps hitting me so uh, i'm sort of that that model compass which is uh, sort of which has come from my dad <laughs> is very 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 strong uh, he's honest to a fault and uh, i believe so am i so uh, you know so uh, just going back to that so one was between entrepreneurship and journalism and i decided i can do both and then there was this in there were these intermediary rules that came about in 2011 which said that bloggers would be held accountable and legally liable for the comments that users make um which i felt was patently problematic and therefore at that point in time uh, i media nama took a stand on that issue which was the first time that i think that we took a strong stand uh, and we started then taking part in regulatory consultations now publications usually don't do this kind of a thing right but i believe that if we have to stay true to our mission we have to be a participant in these things also and present a point of view which is neutral to you know what businesses that are doing it in self interest do we have to do it in ecosystem interest in the interest of the country in the interest of the internet as a whole so there we started commenting on some of these things and then it was with net neutrality which is again about that idea of freedom to do what you want because look media nama would not have been begun if i had to go and negotiate with the telecom operator for permission to launch a site but if you look at the mobile value added services ecosystem vas which you know spice and and 197 which is the parent company of paytm come from they had to constantly deal with telecom operators who could switch them off and therefore would start uh, extracting money and almost extorting money from them just to allow them to reach their customers so that control over distribution that control over that relationship between a business and its and its customer is 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 what not having net neutrality does that freedom is what net neutrality brings so that decision to get into activism was very very tricky so i i literally you know i had a con call with the media nama team at that point in time and i said listen here's the thing um we could die because i'm going to do this but you know what this is worth fighting for because we wouldn't exist if this wasn't there 
and so uh, i took a sabbatical from media nama to run the netutarity campaign uh, and uh, you know to, to st- and then intermittently i would go back and find out how things are doing but i think it's 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 credit to uh, to people like uh, sneha jori uh, who who's now studying in new zealand to sashidhar kej who's now joined the ken uh, to uh, vivek pai who's also in county new zealand the three of them effectively ran media nama uh, for the duration of the netutarity campaign and media nama would not be around had it not been for them um because i had taken a call that listen uh, i i mean we i spent uh, almost what seven years building this but i realized that the internet is more important to me uh, than media nama is from that perspective so i took that plunge and uh, started calling friends and calling people saying you know this is what's happening this is important and to be honest a lot of people were not very sure of um whether this is something that they would support there were a lot of non- internet non profits that i reached out to for help and they flatly refused to help because they didn't have funding to do this work and my thing was listen this is the internet this should matter to us whether there's funding or not can't you dedicate like two weeks of your time to go and do this and there are so to their credit there are people who came and there are people who didn't and after the campaign became successful and it gained momentum and we saw that there is a path to victory more and more people started joining in and you know it's even the people who were naysayers initially bit by bit they came on board and i think that was because uh the commitment from 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 us you know was so strong uh, to these values and to these principles that they were hard to ignore and we made an impact at a at a national level and a global level today media nama ha- uh, sorry today uh, india has the strongest netutarity regulations in the world as a function of the 1.2 million people that participated in this consultation and the odd 150 to 200 people who who came in and sort of worked together to do it and it, it this took a full year i mean we got a lot of we got all the momentum we needed thanks to aib and their video uh, and uh, what most people don't remember is that towards the end of the campaign there were almost like 15 20 stand up comedians who all did videos in support of netutarity because they were getting worried about facebook so you know this was this was Uh, to run this thing was almost like um running a, a business with no employees where everyone's a volunteer and so you have to go and literally plead with everyone listen i need one hour or two hours of this half a day of your time because only you can do this and i need you to do this for the campaign so it was it was almost throughout the campaign it was not about um you know people pushing but constantly pleading for help and there were a bunch of us who did that um and i think that's the only way to do it because uh many people thought after april 24 that the battle was won because that many people participated but we finally won in Fe- on february 2016 it took the ta- time gap including for example during the modi trip to uh, the facebook headquarters Uh, this wasn't an easy time uh, towards the end of december when the tri started a fresh consultation on differential pricing that point in time i remember there was a moment of desperation and i was almost on the verge of giving up because everyone thought the battle had been won and we there were two of us who launched the new site 
uh, Mitesh Asher, uh, who did the coding. Then Kiran and uh, from Hasgeek came in and and uh, because he just finished uh, DroidCon, I think at that point in time, he and Karthik came in and helped a bit. I wrote all the content for that particular uh, submission. Um, so there was, uh, and no, nothing was budging. No one was participating. The numbers that was uh, getting involved in this consultation were limited. And Facebook simultaneously began this massive um, support free basics campaign uh, and putting holdings all over the country. And we were losing. So there was this one morning that I got up and I sort of ranted angrily on Twitter. Uh, and then Vijay Shekhar Sharma calls me up from uh, from a Chinese number. He said he just landed in Hong Kong. And he says, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And then essentially within a day, um, Paytm put Save the Internet.in site as the, uh, in an iframe post checkout when you've done a recharge. Uh, Truecaller contacted us and put pushed a message out to 100 million of its users to support net neutrality. Haptic, which is tiny compared to Truecaller and, and Paytm, also put a message out to its entire community. Uh, then the stand-up comedians got into So, you know, it was almost that, that moment, like it was desperation before, and suddenly everything was coming into play. So this these ups and downs are mad to deal so with, what man. Is, what is the key lesson, Nikhil? Because this could apply to an individual, an enterprise, the ups and downs that you're talking about, right? Yeah, I mean, we we faced them at Media Nama as well. What is the key lesson from, from this, the, the, the movement that happened? And then we'll get to... No, so I, look, I think that if you believe in something, stay with it. Uh, and so I've, this is actually counter, counterintuitive because I quit engineering, right? Because I kept trying to pass my exams uh, and I would sit in an exam and blank out. Um, and I think it was more about the pressure that kept piling up that would just not allow me to retain anything. And so I effectively gave up there. But now the situation is that if something, if I believe that something has, is working, that it's going to work. And so it's about prioritizing what you want and not giving up on that. So for me, sustainability of Media Nama is something that I've always prioritized. Uh, bootstrapping uh, is not an easy task. We've almost run out of money multiple times. And so, um, you know, because payment cycles in advertising, look, that entire media ecosystem, and we can talk about that as well, is completely broken right now. And and, and so, um, you know, don't give up. And, and, and also, the most important thing is to bring people in, you know, reach out for help. This is, there should be no ego about involving people. Uh, and a large part of that comes down to this idea of ownership. So uh, in a campaign, if you feel that you own the campaign, uh, then why would anyone work with you? Think about it from that perspective, right? So leadership in, an, in, in a campaign is about giving ownership. So I was, and I have never been the founder of the Net Utility campaign. I've always been the co-founder of it. And there are multiple co-founders involved in that. In the same way, the same, so, you know, uh, this is, uh, a lot of people came claim credit for the victory once it happened. And there were some people who were coming to me and saying, listen, they're taking credit for your victory. And I'm like, no, this would not have happened if they didn't own the campaign as well as along with me, right? So this this idea of ownership 
creates unnecessary friction when there is no nothing to gain from that ownership as such you you get you 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 get more by giving uh, ownership away from that perspective right so this there's this that's for me the from the campaigns that's been the biggest takeaway and and from uh, from everything as that i've done it's about if you strongly believe in something uh then you must be willing to walk away from other things and put everything into this one thing so there is a there there is cost and we have discussed it in the past yeah. there is a cost that you have to pay for yeah. being an activist yeah. or for standing for a cause and things like that yeah your journey with media nama as as a media entrepreneur yeah how how's that been like how much these things have you know affected or brought uh you know existential threats to to that journey if at all so i think uh existential existential threats to media nama have largely been uh around this entire idea of uh, i mean just the way the advertising ecosystem okay. works and so when we started subscriptions weren't even being talked about globally and there were two kinds of businesses that were operating so and large part of them like for example the times of india group sites ht Reader was huge at that time, um, and so there were only two types of media businesses that could sustain. One was a very large, and the one that were going to be verticals and focused on a particular community as such. So we took a call that that uh, being too large is not going to be sustainable. So um, that dependency, and when you're when when you're focused and niche and you're small. uh then the risks are greater because you don't have a diversified um client base uh, you don't have a diversified audience base so it's not like if in one period uh, one bunch of advertisers are going to go off then there's another one that can come and take its place so uh, we took a few decisions there because of also the dependency on the agency ecosystem which literally runs like a mafia i mean i've heard i've i've heard uh, you know instances or of of and in fact this was raised at the nama conference that we did as well where agencies basically take bribes to clear your payments um and so you know in that space we went direct to clients which is uh, which is difficult uh, which means that you can't scale but you remain honest in what you do uh, and 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 so you know that was for media nama that's that was a largely a part of the challenge now the challenge is that entities like facebook uh, and google now had to have about 85 to 90% of the market in advertising and so therefore there's a sliver that's left for the rest of the world you know and in that sense um because uh, the internet is massive has massive fragmentation you uh, the 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 ROI on advertising just doesn't exist so therefore that is what has prevented uh, us from scaling because we've always had this existential crisis around you know clients not paying for 6 months or 8 months at some points in time um i mean there was a time where i essentially uh, told an agency finance person that listen uh, i've been waiting for this money for 8 months now and uh, if you don't want to pay that's your call um, i'm just going to call up your client that chose to advertise on us so take that money and sub it up as behind uh, next day we got the check but we never worked with that agency again and i don't know maybe they were waiting for a kickback or something which i will never give so i mean there are these the number of issues that that one has to deal with running uh, a business in india is just insane um so that's been largely the existential uh, challenges that we faced now it's because 
uh, of ad blockers and the general um, you know th- gr- so what the internet growth in india has done is that it's created more advertising inventory and so therefore yields have dropped so now if you're not playing the very large game um, then it's difficult for you to sustain even more so the business models have to constantly keep evolving and there are instances where we've had to uh, either let go of people or for me to not take a salary for a, for a while um, but we've survived uh, being bootstrapped uh, and we are here standing on our own two feet on our own uh, without any funding without any uh, additional resources and uh, we're actually now looking to grow and scale um, in certain areas that we've chosen that we want to focus on because for us it's always been about a community a focus and growth there uh, because i i don't like that business of dumping things down and having breadth um, to that perspective like there, if there is breadth we want breadth with depth and so my belief is that uh, that the future of media nama lies in strengthening our relationships with the communities which also become sponsors for events advertisers for sites uh, we are currently thinking of a paid product as well because uh, one thing which for example the ken has shown is that subscriptions can work uh, and what subscriptions also do is because your cash intake is front loaded uh, that gives you money to survive and play with and then you have to focus on the renewal cycle uh, that's not to say that subscriptions won't come with their own risks because what you saw uh, in in case of gigaom pro is that uh, when the renewal started dropping uh, the costs remained the same uh but revenue started dipping and therefore uh you had to keep the quality up to try and get subscriptions and when they weren't coming uh the business would the business eventually died it ran out so of money th- th- there are lessons that people forget from the death of gigaom i'm i'm so yeah, happy yeah. you brought it up no no i mean look i i i live this i live this reality right so i all of these lessons are things that i think about all the time i have been from very early on i've been critical of the role that facebook and google are playing and playing in the advertising ecosystem i have been against the idea of publishers getting on uh, instant articles because frankly you're feeding the beast right your what what is happening when you get on to that is that your direct relationship with your reader is gone did you go for instant articles no and we will never do that yeah. so we push back against it uh, so i look i think that there are there are uh, so here's one learning that i got uh, from uh, we were doing a research report on youtube we put in a lot of money on it and that never released uh, because every time we finished writing the report it was a 60 page report it would become outdated so the internet changes that so that taught me to not go into deep research because you know the market value of that declines <laughs> by the time you finish uh, so but the big learning from that is that plat the platform business is around this idea of creating fragmentation and monetizing its aggregation so if you look at youtube they initially went to multiple content players brought you know people like you and me on to create channels uh and as more and more people started getting added um the path structure changed dependency on youtube increased more yield started dropping because that advertising is now split across many more people but you can't leave because that's your primary source of revenue now and so you know whether you look at uh, google and advertising whether you look at facebook and advertising you look at youtube and advertising 
if you look at let's say marketplaces like amazon the negotiating power that each individual has is minute compared to what the mass has and that mass will never come together they will never form a union to fight against the thing because everyone's creating content so effectively the power gets concentrated with the platform and that is a dangerous situation that we are dealing with today on the internet because the decentralized nature of the internet is seriously under threat so if you look at uh, what facebook was doing with free basics and as far as uh, we know uh, google was looking to do something similar in zero rating as well um, and so this is not facebook just put itself out there just like all the telecom operators were against net neutrality but airtel put itself out there right so facebook and airtel get most of the blame but the entire large aggregator space was looking at taking more and more control so if you look at all the services that large platforms have gotten into there's a battle of giants taking place so amazon versus google versus facebook versus tencent baidu um, apple and the the decentralized nature of the internet the billions of sites and apps they're all becoming dependent on either or all player and they're getting crushed in this battle between giants the the opportunity for someone to build a large scale uh, business now is increasingly reducing and the space for the open web is shrinking if google news or google search stops surfacing your site or mine will we have a business is a question right in the same way if facebook reduces the reach of our pages will we have that audience and so because audiences are now getting concentrated around these few sites and a large part of this has been pres- precipitated by the advent of the iphone and the control of the app ecosystem which is centralized with the app store with the play store uh, and you know there are others who have tried to get into it including amazon the reason why they're getting into it our our discovery is now contingent on them allowing us to be discovered and so how many people who are new on the internet are going straight to the web how many know what a url is how to type a url they're all using apps apps are now dependent on the vagaries of the platform that they are on and so the decentralized nature of the open internet is under threat and it has never been under more threat than now most of this has precipitated after 2011 2012 but it started with the iphone one of the things you talked about before we started this conversation is sorry i keep <laughs> jumping from one yeah, thing to the other but <laughs> it's the chaotic world we live in i, I yeah. completely understand yeah. i mean it's the nature of the beast yeah. one of the things you were mentioning is this this balancing uh, of 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 hats that you have to do like yeah. as, as a journalist as an entrepreneur hmm. an activist hmm. from here on like we're going forward uh, how are you going to juggle this or is there going to be a dominant <laughs> theme so so i come from the philosophy that everyone's a journalist uh, i don't think the journalism that journalism is the exclusive prerogative uh, of journalists uh, many of us didn't get into this with formal training anyway yeah, me too uh, yeah so <laughs> so you know uh, i i think everyone is a journalist in today's day and age it's about who trusts you and as long as i can be open transparent and trustworthy i will have a readership 
uh, as long as I give disclosures, and let's face it, I've been giving disclosures since before they became fashionable in that sense, right? Uh, in fact, I used to get criticized once upon a time when uh, I used to have shares of Network 18 and Infoage, and I would put a disclaimer at the bottom. And, and finally, there was it was getting really horrible, some of those things. So I just sold all of it off, some of it at a loss, in fact, uh, and said, I'm not getting into this. Uh, so, like, uh, my my shares are mostly pipes and fertilizers, uh, <laughs> but, but, but I learned a lot from just watching the market anyway. But, so, um, so, so these different hats, right, so I keep, uh, I keep, flip, uh, it's sort of, it's almost like a day-to-day activity, almost like a continuous activity, where... Uh, if there's if there's something which is on the record uh, and is I'm meeting someone for the purpose of reporting, uh, then I'm a journalist at that point in time. Uh, there are times because initially I had to balance between being an entrepreneur and a journalist. There'd be marketing heads who wanted to meet me, and I had a sales guy, and I said, "Listen, I'm not doing sales here." But uh, when I started doing sales, and they would start bringing editorial into the discussion, I would respectfully say that. Listen, let's not bring editorial into this conversation. I'm happy to have that conversation with you later on separately because the context is different and I'm wearing a different hat at that point in time. In the same way, when it comes to activism, uh, honestly, I think the best journalism is activism. And so there are activists who do great journalism and the journalists who do activism. Uh, I don't see why if we believe in something, we should hide it. Uh, if you remember, Mike Carrington actually wrote about this aspect, you know, so, so, um, if you're open and transparent, he wrote about bias, if you're open and transparent, and you have a bias, it's better to put your bias out there and let people judge you for it, and judge what you're saying, let them counter it. I have never been resistant to changing my opinion. If you can prove that I am wrong, I will change my point of view. If I am irrational in what I am saying, I will change my point of view. So, from an activism perspective, there are things that I come across and things that I see, things that 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 I cannot report. And in that sense, I avoid reporting on some of those topics. I did not report on net neutrality uh, during the campaign, as far as I can remember. And there are instances where I may have critiqued what someone has done. Uh, that is an opinion piece, and that came with a disclaimer again. So, I am transparent about that. A lot of my activism is actually not, you know, going on the street and going and meeting people, but it's about speaking up and informing people about what's going on. Uh, I don't quite like that phrase activist anyway. The way I see it is that I am an active citizen. And I think every citizen needs to become active in order for things to be set right in this country. If they have certain sets of beliefs, if they have certain points of view, if they have certain data, if they have certain things that they can do, if they would dedicate a small amount of their time to what they are, uh, to a cause that they believe in, uh, we would benefit from it as a nation. Because I don't, I think, uh, unfortunately enough, our bureaucracy is either, uh, it's too overburdened, it's, it's almost incapacitated in instances because decision making would, uh, can actually hurt the person who's taking a decision. So, it takes a certain kind of boldness to take certain decisions uh, that that the bureaucrats have to take, um, and it takes them taking great great risks there, right? So, whereas even when it comes to those who are not doing their job to hold them accountable, it's important for people to do it. 
unfortunately what happens is society delegates the act of holding government to account to the activists we should as an activist i don't i'm want to do what i want to do i don't necessarily want to do your job but it is your job as a citizen to hold government to account because that's your money that's going there that's your life that is get impacted by the decisions that's taking all of us need to speak up and that was again one of the core tenets of the netutarity campaign there were people who came and offered us money you know one thing that people don't realize is that this campaign was run with zero money donated to us we refused money when when people came to us when companies came to us offering support and money i said we don't want your sub, we don't want your money if you want do something for us so somebody did graphic design for us somebody did so what most people don't realize is that the aib video was translated in uh, was the voice over was done in seven different languages there volunteers who translated the save the internet site into seven different languages and we never released it eventually but there were people who offered their their time their effort and that's what you want because it does two things if you're giving your effort to something there is ownership that you have of it that means greater commitment so my style of leadership is that to give people power to give them responsibility to give them ownership let them run with it trust it but verify what they're doing and bring them in so how do you how do you bring them in i'm asking that question nikhil from uh, another I context sta- well, i yeah. start by asking for help but i also look at at people who are already um who, who already believe in what's going on but don't know don't have an avenue so for example for me anand venkatanayanan uh, is a great example of a of of a techie who was frustrated with what was going on with aadhar and i was looking at his tweets and he was making so much sense so i said hey listen can you write a piece for me then i'm on it right and that's where again my editor's hat was on i wasn't looking at him from activism perspective but he wrote this stunning piece of analysis which blew my socks off i have i mean and i mean i had editorial responses and there were some instances where he was uh, it was getting there was a lot of there was conjecture so i edited all of that out that piece went crazy it was it was titled uh, Uh, i think it was it was focus on nandan right what uh, what nandan nirkani is saying about aadhar is wrong, wrong or something like yeah. that right and and uh, following that anand got sucked into this and started getting more and more involved he was a part of the speak for me campaign that we eventually ran he's right doing some of the best writing on aadhar today um, and so it's just about seeing someone and saying hey listen you you believe in this i believe in this too get in no one has an avenue to so you know so even with the netutarity campaign that count i never met most of the people who were involved in the campaign i knew a few of them but it was belief that someone is in this for the right thing they're saying the right things and let's give them a vent let's get them involved because they want to contribute they have no avenues so imagine if all of us contributed a fraction of our time towards the causes that we believe in and let's leave internet aside for now but I mean I started getting involved in trying to ideate around how to fix Delhi's pollution problem. Yeah. Uh and all I did was I was suffering from it personally like for the last 5 years I haven't been at home for Diwali because I can't stand the city like I can't survive the city at that time so I I go out every year and then I come back I work from wherever I've worked from multiple parts just 
being out of Delhi because that's the only way I'm functional. But I found ways of dealing with this myself in Delhi. So I started I started putting together a document of recommendation for others can do. That's my way of giving back, right? And then I put this document up online and I had some policy ideas also. And I said, anyone who has an idea, contribute to it. That document is now, I think that about seven or eight pages of ideas for citizens, ideas for businesses on how to deal with it, on government policies that need changing. And you know what? That document doesn't have my name because it's not my ownership there. No. And I've been, that document has been forwarded to me by someone saying, that their kids' school shared this with them, so maybe I want to forward it to someone. <laughs> so such a great endorsement, right? A exactly. So you know, so I'm just saying that for me, this is not about me. It's about us. It's about getting people together to do the things that all of us believe in. And if more people started doing like this, imagine how things can change. It takes it takes a certain kind of madness and a certain kind of belief in society also. For someone to, we are too cynical as a society right now, and I think what the Netutiety campaign did for a lot of us is that, and I've always been idealistic, but it brought the idealism to life in a lot of people who had given up on it, and I think we have to be idealistic to change things. Yeah, I I think that that sums it up very well. The the other thing, Nikhil, is uh, people on the other side, for example, the government yeah. uh, or not just government but but anyone who faces criticism they would question if you have the empathy about what they do the constraints they have like you were talking about bureaucracy right yeah now a lot of bureaucrats who may be well-meaning but are stuck in this uh, maze of (laughs) decision making and things like that so, so when you do these campaigns, or when, when you critique, or when you question, right, mm. the whole accountability thing is very valid. Yeah. Should you have, uh, in, should you, can you empathize more mm. if, if I were to ask their uh, question? So, um, uh, honestly, I don't know how to do that, uh, to empathize with them on it. But in my conversations with, uh, with both bureaucrats and politicians across the board, uh, and across political parties as well, my sense is that they are well-meaning people. They want to do the right thing. But it is the constraints that they have and sometimes it is the political decisions that parties are taking that don't allow them to do these things. And we are at we are in this logjam where uh, people believe that there is only one way of doing something. Uh, and so another thing that, that sort of uh, I try and do is try and bring other ways of looking at the same issue because if you look at netutality purely from the perspective of increasing internet access and you ignore the fact that if you allow in and make easier for more telecom operators to enter the space that competition would allow the space to grow which is exactly what's happened with Geo right um, you know th- you think that the only way is to give uh, free access to some sites and call it free internet. It doesn't. There has. There is another way of doing something. So is it lack of understanding? What I'm also trying. No, do I, they get this? So they get this. In fact, you know, I I would say that that under the current TRA chairman R S Sharma, we have never like I haven't seen the TRA that is as dynamic, and as consumer focused uh, 
before ever. He's going. No, and and I know, and I'm, and you know, I I I wish that when he's leaving, he sets a vision for the future of the TRA because really he has been. Uh, we have our disagreements on Aadhaar, but when it comes to internet policy, he has been great for this country. Um, and I would wish that whoever takes over from him comes with his vision in mind, saying that this is the path that Arish Sharma has set us down on. Uh, you know, so uh, I and you know, so what I'm saying is that there is there is a great deal of understanding, but there also needs to be a willingness to learn and be open about it. Quite often, decisions are taken. We don't know what happens behind the scenes, and those decisions are done almost as a knee-jerk reaction in a short with short-termism in mind, because the situation demands it by at that point in time. So I'll give you an example. Uh, we got uh, the IT rules uh, and Section seventy nine of the IT Act, and we got uh, Section sixty six A as an outcome of the terror attacks in Mumbai where the government felt the need for more power. Section 66A was declared unconstitutional by the Supreme Court, right? Section 79 was written down to bring in more accountability. Uh, one part which was not addressed was Section 69, which allows the government to secretly block, block access to sites, and so we don't even know which sites are blocked. And I think that should be unconstitutional, but the Supreme Court in its wisdom didn't do that. Uh, but I'm saying that these things happen in a reactive manner, right? This blind push for digital payments at the expense of cash happened in a reactive manner which nobody seems to understand the benefit. Now we are back to the situation where we were. What benefit has this served? We've brought more people into digital payments and that's great. But think of the hardship that people had to go through. So I think the Prime Minister should have thought through some of these things about the impact that it would have on people. And so, if you bring more people into the consultation process, you as a leader are in a better position to take decisions uh, because there are other points of view that will come in. In the same way, for bureaucrats, they need to be more open and transparent and consultative. You know, this right, this um, weakening of the RTI Act is very dangerous for us as a country because it, hold, it allows us to hold uh, bureaucrats to account. It happens at a small level also. The empowerment has been at a time, like as a friend of mine, his wife had to get uh, her passport. And uh, in, her city, in, in her state or city, the passport department was not giving the passport. They wanted some bribe. So uh, her father-in-law filed an RTI. She got, uh, uh, within 10 days, she got the passport. Within 20 days, they, they got a letter from the department saying, Aapka to passport de diya hai. So, you know, the, the, the impact of RTI is something that we have to protect. Uh, and it's great for journalism. We use it all the time. Uh, so, I'm saying that, uh, that, that bureaucrats are also uh, opposed to that. Some bureaucrats are opposed to that level of transparency because it leads to their decisions being questioned. And what happens in government circles is that they get multiple people to sign off on something to distribute accountability. So, so decisions that are being taken quite often, there's no one who's accountable for it because everyone's account has signed off on it, right? And so my thing is that if we have more transparency, more consultations, people, bureaucrats realize there's a better way of looking at things, they can take a more measured decision. But it has to be collaborative because I don't think we have... 
uh, things have moved on from where they were before uh, 92 right in this and uh, before the economy opened up we're a generation that demands more accountability in decision making from our politicians uh, we are also the 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 generation that's come in now uh, is not as involved as us as of now but i think they it's a matter of time so they have the tools the capability the intelligence and they've learned a lot more things a lot more quickly some people that i've i've seen i would say that they are going to be far more effective at at doing the things that i'm doing right now and uh, in the future so one of the things i'm doing is that i'm constantly looking to guide younger people into this fold because i'm not sitting on this for the rest of my life uh, i'm going to become irrelevant at some point in time probably very soon if i'm not irre- irrelevant already it's for everyone else to also take up from where i leave off so i think that so we have to empower more and more people to do the things that we found are effective and that could be as a journalist you have you should be mentoring people as an as a ceo you should you should be mentoring people bring more people into the fold because that's how society will move forward i don't i think this um, there is and and you know even in the bureaucracy there are many people who actually take this feedback who learn from it who seek uh, seek inputs uh, that's where sometimes it becomes tricky because someone wants inputs from me for something that they for for a policy paper that they that they prepared and i say sir i can't see this document because then uh, my role as a journalist gets compromised so i i can give you feedback in writing publicly after it comes out so i refuse to see things like that so that's where you know so i as my thing is i don't talk about this aspect but in my mind i know that then my conscience is clear yeah i think that's a good way to sum it up uh, nikhil and uh, god speed with every battle you fight thank you uh, and i i feel that uh, we should have more conversations clearly and i i, I want to sort of one major point that I, i that i keep thinking about and that's what's really uh, on my mind is the shrinking openness of ecosystems today uh, and i think as as in the internet space we need to fight for it and it started like i talked about the op- the need for openness on the internet and how that space is shrinking but even if you look at the payments ecosystem uh, that place is that that space is clearly shrinking and it has shrunk and i think we're going to see a lot more companies die out uh, because there is lack of transparency and openness and participativeness and there is control that's coming in uh, as a country and i'm going to continue for a bit because i don't think i'd be discuss aadhar and i want to talk about some of these things right so uh, i think as a, as a country we are moving towards an era of a great deal of centralization of data uh, and that centralization of data means that there is someone somewhere who has a lot of control and power so in that sense if you look at let's say the creation of the public credit registry who controls it as of today the payments ecosystem is being controlled by the npci it's not under rti there is no transparency and accountability there it is doesn't have public shareholding it doesn't even have shareholding beyond the banks we have the government of india taking tax pay money and giving it to npci as cash back for beam which is not a government app in the first place so i'm saying that so there's centralization that's happened over there the national health information network uh which is uh, being planned for next year or next to next year 
with electronic health records. So the centralization that's going to happen over there. Um, we have to see the disproportionate control over our data taking place. Everything, all these data sets. All of these data sets. And so where the era that we're living in right now is that our government's means of countering data collection by entities like Facebook and Google is to do the same thing and collect data. No, I don't think it justifies. And, and so in that context, the way I look at it is what happens to the individual and the individual rights. I have no control over my own data anymore. I have to, I'm forced to give my data to the government just because I'm choosing to give my data to Facebook and Google. Yeah, and Aadhaar is a clear example. And Aadhaar is a, is a clear manifestation yeah. of that, but I'm saying Aadhaar is a sign of things to come. The DNA bill is going to get introduced in parliament this time, right? And and in parliament, it was very, very clearly, the government said that they might link, Arun Jaitley said that they might link DNA to Aadhaar. So we have to see where we are going with this. So if so, we're in an era where we are losing, we are being forced to lose control over our data, and in that sense, the only way to address this problem because this fundamentally changes the relationship between businesses and people, and relationship between citizens and the state. Um, we need to take control back. Let's not forget that we are with a government that argued against a fundamental right to privacy right. in the Supreme Court. And, and so uh, we, we have to ensure that ownership of data belongs to us. We have the right to delete this data. We need data minimization. We, I, I, I have sort of propounded this idea of data disarmament, saying that our data is being weaponized against us right now, whether it is by the state or it's by businesses. And so therefore, this global battle for arming entities arming themselves with more and more data needs to stop. There's a global market failure in, in data collection and individual rights and individual freedoms are getting compromised because of that. So we need to now move towards an era where this data collection is stopped, where data deletion is allowed, where, where, where you have portability, where you have visibility on what someone has about you in the first place, what are they collecting. That, so the relationship between the state and the citizen is changing more quickly than ever before and the problem is that before we even realize the implications of what is happening it will be too late so there needs to be a strong pushback against that that's the pushback what the pushback against Aadhaar is because yeah. the system itself if you read the stories there were village level guys who had read write permissions to the database exclusion it was not inclusion really right well well one is exclusion but it's also there's also forced taking of data, right? But I'm saying that the database is completely compromised because it's leaking data like crazy. Your all of your information, personal information, Aadhaar number, banking or details, etc., is being published on government websites for anyone to scrape. There are uh, there are sort of frauds which are happening using linking. All of this is going on, and you're going out and saying that hey, there is no problem. There is a massive problem right now. They realize that the problem is that at this point in time, the government has basically painted itself into a corner. They've put so much political capital behind it that they don't know how to, uh, they don't know how to discreetly step back from it. But in no, that's why you need a pushback. We don't just need a pushback. We need a way for the government to ease up on a lot of these things, to fix the system so that it doesn't force people to compromise themselves. Uh, and it's not just about making it voluntary. It's also about not using biometrics because 
biometrics, number one, are probabilistic. They're always going to have false positives and false negatives. But there's also that once your biometrics get compromised, if I touch a glass, my fingerprints are on it. You get compromised for the rest of your life. It's like having a permanent username and a permanent password. So these are these are the battles of our times, and this is only going to get crazier. Yeah. So my challenge is yeah. that, that how do we how do we navigate the next three or four years uh, in making sure that some of these things are taken to the right conclusions. Some of these things I think are going to be ten-year battles. They are, and I don't, and I think that when you come from first principles of what you believe in as freedoms, then these are going to be never-ending, continuous battles. And I, I'm a little worried that I might have to do this for the rest of my life. And so, which is why my focus is also on empowering others, others. to fight these battles because I didn't win any battles alone, uh, and I don't think anyone who won those battles did did it alone. But we need more and more people involved. No, and anything conclusive will take a long battle. I, I, I mean, it also depends on the regime, everything. Right? We will. Uh, my my fundamental belief is that we will keep losing till we win. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is why you need more people to keep fighting it, right? We need more people yeah, to keep fighting yeah, it, and yeah. we need people to stay the course. Yeah. No, Godspeed uh, with Thanks. that, Nikhil, and then Godspeed with all the battles you fight. Thank you. This was a long one, but I think it was uh, quite interesting because a lot of people don't understand the complexity and yeah. why they should care about these issues. Yeah. I think on that front, you clearly have done a great job. Like a lot of lot more people now understand why they should care for this, right? Yeah. Which was not the case few years ago. And you know, like uh, like Obama says, we cannot solve the challenges of our times until un- unless we solve them together. <laughs> Thank you. Great talking to you, Nikhil. Thanks, Pankaj.